Thank you for joining us tonight. We're going to continue our series we have, The Eight Weeks to a Better Body. And this evening, I have the pleasure of taking uh, application from Scott's lesson from Sunday, which was Christ being the head of the church. Um, on Sunday, Scott talked about how man is not the head of the church, elders are not the head of the church, the government's not the head of the church, but it's Christ who's the head of the church, is really the head of our lives, of our homes, and of our congregations. <clears throat> Oops, I don't want to go there yet. So, um, if we remember that, or if we're, yeah, if we're reminded of the church not being the building, it's the people. It's the body of Christ who is the church. And if we think of God being the head of the church, um, he really has the authority to tell us how to worship, how to live our lives, if we have Christ as the head of our lives, of our homes, and of our congregation. Uh, if you go to Ephesians 5, 25, the latter part of that verse, said, Christ also loved the church and gave himself for, gave himself for it. Christ gave his life for the church, giving them the authority and power, uh, him and God, the authority and power, to tell us how he wants, would want to be worshipped. And um, so we follow that today. In our worship, one of the things he wants us to do is worship him in spirit and in truth. If you remember John 4, 23 and 24, it says, But the hour cometh and is now, or now is, when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So one of the things we're asked to do is worship God in spirit and in truth. The spirit behind that being the heart of our worship service, the truth being how we worship, the doctrine that we preach being the truth behind that. Uh, one of the ways we know what truth is is by studying the Word of God. Second uh, Timothy three sixteen and 17 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may, perfect, may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So one of the things we have as far as the doctrine or the, um, sorry, the word of God being the scripture, it's inspired by God and it's profitable for doctrine, for that, that truth that we have uh, before us in his word. And there's a way to worship him that is not true, and there's a way to worship him that is not of the spirit. Uh, both of those combined is what we want to do to, when we worship him. Uh, if you remember a story back in the Old Testament, Leviticus, uh, some of or Aaron's sons are worshiping or uh, burning incense to the Lord, and they did not do that out of truth. We'll read a little bit of that story. Uh, Leviticus 10, 1 and 2, it says, But Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, <clears throat> took either, either of them his incense and put fire within and put incense thereon and offered strange fire unto, before the Lord, which he had commanded them not. And there went, at, went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. So David and Bahia, maybe from a heart or a spirit, uh, spirit side to worship God through burning incense, they bid, but they didn't bring the truth. So they may have bought the heart but not the truth. So there's a way to displease God in our worship by not doing it out of spirit and out of truth. So we think of our worship assembly and our service we have. One of the things that we want to do and one of the things we do as an example from the first century church is that we sing in our church service, uh, our service to God and our worship to him. Ephesians 5, 19 says, Speaking in, to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. 
one of the things that we see here is that we sing, and we sing that being the truth, and there's a lot of application, and there's a lot of uh, messages we sing in our, our song service. We also sing that with the heart to the Lord, the Spirit and the truth. Uh, another thing, we're talking about singing, 1 Corinthians 14 and 15, it says, What is it then? I will pray with the Spirit, I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit, I will sing with the understanding also. So one of the things we want to do and make sure that we're doing in our singing service and our worship to God is that we're understanding what we're singing, that we're um, being edified by that singing because we understand what we're singing and the message behind that. So we want to have the heart to sing and the truth behind it being the message of the song. Uh, Colossians 3.23 also talks about the heart. Says, and whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Again, when we sing, really, and everything we do, we want to do it uh, with a heart to serve God and a heart that loves God. And that would apply also in our song service. Now, you, there are other uh, churches, other type, types of churches that use other things. Maybe they're accompanied by instruments, things like that. That's not something we see an example of in the New Testament. And the New Testament would be the testament or the new testament would be what we want to model after as uh, someone that would want to serve God as the headship in spirit and in truth and want to follow that pattern of the new testament there are some uh, examples of of worship in instruments in the old testament harps and stuff but there's nothing like that in the new testament so that's why uh, we decide not to use instruments in that but we want to sing with our hearts with our, our mouth and that's one of the things we see in scripture uh, that we pattern ourselves after. Also, in our prayer, there's a way to pray uh, true and with the Spirit. First uh, Timothy 2 and 5 says, There is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus. Um, so here we see that we pray through God, and when we end our prayers, we normally say, in Jesus' name, or some form of in Jesus' name, we pray, Amen meaning we're praying through our mediator, which is Jesus. Another form of that, we see uh, Ephesians 5 and 20. It says, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Lord in the name of Jesus, our, our Lord Jesus Christ. So we pray through Jesus being our mediator, uh, being that true side of it. Then praying, we also want to use our heart and our spirit behind it as well when we're praying. Uh, whether it's really in the assembly or whether it's in our individual lives. But we see an example of that in Matthew 6 of someone that did not do a very good job at praying with the heart, but one that, that is the heart that God wants. It says, and when, they, uh, sorry, and when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love praying standing in the synagogues and in the corner of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou, <clears throat> thou prayest, even enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray, with the, pray to thy Father, which is in secret, and the, thy Father, which sees, seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. <clears throat> when we pray, we're not to pray boastfully or to be seen of men. That's not the reason we pray. We don't pray to, for other people to see us and praise us. If that's our motive, we have our reward because those people would praise us. And that would be our reward. But really, when we pray, we want to pray with the heart. We don't necessarily have to go to the closet. It's kind of the contrast of um, praying in the open. But we want to pray with the heart that, that wants to communicate with God and not to be seen of men. 
would be the heart or the spirit behind um, how we would want to pray, our motive for praying. And the communion service is something we do each and every week. Uh, this is the application here is uh, Acts 20 and 7. It says, And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart to the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. So we see on the first day of the week, this was an example given to us from God's word that they broke bread. They also preached and did other things. But that's something that we carry on as well, wanting to continue that truth, that um, the way that God wants to be worshipped. There's also a spirit we can do that would be a right way to do it or a wrong way to do it. We turn to 1 Corinthians 11, 26 through 29. Uh, we see a uh, good and bad way to do that. Uh, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death until he comes. So that's the purpose of, of communion, to show his death until he comes. So that's something we should remember when we partake of the communion service. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of, of the Lord. But let every man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. So one of the things we can do to not bring the spirit behind the truth in our communion service is we could not uh, remember the Lord's body. We also... Um, would not be examining ourselves. It's, the communion service is a very uh, intimate part of the service where it's examining your inward self, not necessarily examining yourself for the worthiness of partaking, um, but more examining yourself to the, to the cross and being thankful for his sacrifice. Another uh, way we can show a bad spirit behind our communion service is here in the Corinthian church. Um, Paul's writing to them because they're using the, the communion service for... Uh, physical nourishment and the, the bread and the, the cup. And that's something that <clears throat> that's something else we should not be doing as well. It says, when they came together therefore in one, into one place this, or sorry, when ye come together therefore into one place this is not to eat of the Lord's supper. For in eating everyone taketh before another, for other this own supper, his own supper. And one is hungry, another is drunken. What, have you, have you not houses to eat in or drink in? Or despise, ye the church of the, or despise ye the church of God and shame them that have not? <clears throat> what shall I say unto you? Shall I praise you for this? I praise you not. So one of the things they were doing, kind of forsaking that, uh, that communion service, not remembering the death of, of Christ, then instead they were eating it, eating the bread as if it were um, lunch or drinking the, the wine as it was a party. Um, so some, of, some people weren't able to partake because they were eating it all up, things like that. But that would be a bad spirit if, that's, that's why we, if that was our motive or our... Um, heart during the, the communion service. Another thing we do is we have teaching in the assembly as well. If you go back to Acts 20 and 7, it says, Upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continue his preach until midnight. 
So another thing we see is just a, an example of is preaching on the first day of the week as well. And uh, Hebrews 10, 25, it says, Not forsaking the assembly there, uh, of ourselves there together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Another thing we do when we get together is exhort one another. One of that may be to be uplift, but also would be teaching one another as well. And really, from a spirit side of this, there's two coins, or two sides of the coin. One would be the audience, and how you would take that teaching, and the heart behind that would be, uh, we talk about this a lot in Acts 17.11, about the Bereans, uh, that were more noble than those in Thessalonica, and that they received the word with all readiness of mind, and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. So, as an audience, you want to make sure those teachings, or what you hear from men that are interpreting the word of God and teaching that, that that is true to, the God, to God's word. There's been many people deceived by men that are trying to interpret the word of God, whether those men that were teaching were deceived as well. Um, I guess that would be up for interpretation or up for, um, for knowing who, who was teaching it. But, um, but we really want to make sure what you're hearing, what you're getting taught is something that's true to God's word. And you're getting truth taught to you. Um, another thing we have here at this building is we're standing on the Word of God. And the Word of God is buried in the foundation of this building uh, about where I'm standing. So, But as a teacher standpoint, there's another application of the heart that talks in 1 Corinthians 14, 26. It says, how is it then, brethren, <clears throat> when you come together, everyone, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a hath a doctrine, have the tongue, have the revelation, have the interpretation. Let all things be done unto edifying. So we want to edify when we're up here. The heart should be to edify the congregation when we're up here uh, preaching the word of God as well. That, that something from the youngest, somebody from the youngest to the oldest can take things away uh, that, that is true. That is what the Lord wants from us today. Another thing when we talk about the assembly service is that we have a certain order to our service that um, on Sundays we have communion. Then we have our preacher. There are some congregations that have their communion after the preacher. All that's up, I would say that's up to the uh, leadership of that congregation to, to order the service. But at the same time, there's some order to what we do. And that's because of 1 Corinthians 14 and 40. It says, let all things be done decently and in order. That's one of the things that uh, we want to follow today as well, to make sure there's order in what we do in our assembly service. You know, this, we talk about the body of Christ being the people, and we meet on Sundays and Wednesdays, but our body of Christ role, or us being the body of Christ, doesn't end there. It goes every day. Every day we're the body of Christ. And, <clears throat> and with that... There's a lot of even individual application we'll take, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, but every day we're in the body of Christ, regardless if we're here, we're at church, whether, or whether at church, or whether we're at uh, school or work, we're always the body of Christ. Uh, but there's unity we want to have in the body as well. Returning to Philippians 2 and 2, it says, Fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. If, if Christ is the headship of our life, or if Christ is the head of our life, head of our home, head of our congregation, we would all have that same like mind if all of us have that same same thought, same goal, and make Christ the head of our home, head of our life, head of our congregation. 
we would all have that same like mind. We all have that same goal. We all have that same love for Jesus, for God. Uh, we would be all in one accord with that. And that would bring more unity of the body. My body has a lot of unity in it as well with my head tells my arms to move. When my arms want to move or if I walk, my t- tells my legs to move. Um, so there's a lot of unity in my body. And same thing we want to have in our, our church body. There's a lot of unity that everyone can work together. And um, so that would be, starting off would be like-minded. Another thing we've heard about First Peter 3 and 8, it says, Finally, <clears throat> be all of one mind, having compassion one to, of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful be courteous. Another thing we want to have is love for one another, and we also want to be courteous to one another. There's going to be a lot of, with a lot of people, you have a lot of different personalities, and there may be some personality conflicts, but you want to show love even within, with that. If we all have the same like mind, it's going to be a lot easier to do that, um, but there may be some people here that may not have that same like mind. We still need to be love, show love, and be courteous to them as well, and uh, help show them the way to, to unity in the body. Another thing when you talk about unity in the body, I think of is 1 Corinthians 12, 25 through 26. It says that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should all have, should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all members suffer with it. And one member be honored, all members rejoice with it. So with having unity, we're going to have some people that may be suffering some people may be rejoicing at times. We all want to rejoice with you, and we all want to suffer with you. <clears throat> in suffering together, there's a lot of growth. There's a lot of um, even more unity when we suffer together. And at times, there's going to be maybe when you're suffering, maybe someone reaches out their hand, approaches you that while you're suffering, and a lot of people are afraid to do that um, because they're worried that you'd get up, someone would get upset that they might reach out in the hand to, um, to help them. But they may not, the person receiving it may not take it that way. They may get upset. From someone that want, is wanting to reach out, I would say uh, reach out. But for someone that is getting reached out to, I would say uh, take that with an open mind, study that, and, and grow. Um, if someone that is receiving um, a reaching hand, I guess you would say, um, if you take that and you deny that or put that off or uh, get upset, I think that would be, you're be coming from a place of pride. Whether you were prideful before or not, I think that would be coming from a place of, place of pride if someone's reaching out to you because they think you're struggling and you get upset and, um, well, there's been cases where some people get upset and they leave the church, and I don't, that, that would be a, a, a bad story. But, um, but if someone's reaching out, take that with open mind because they love you. They're, they're here to help. And if someone is afraid of reaching out, I would say reach out, but do it in a loving, loving and kind, kind way. Uh, be courteous during that as well. Um, but if you're being reached out to, don't get upset. Take that for, for what it is and, and study that and make sure... It's something that does or does not exist in your life and uh, be better uh, for it. And as a unity body, a un, as a body that's seek, uh, seeking unity, uh, take that because every, everyone here loves, loves each and every one of us. So another thing when we're talking about unity, I would say prefer to be with your church family. Um, there, there's a lot of things that go on in life and we can't make everything, but when something's going on, 
try to try to make it. It's not a make it or or don't make it really, but it's a prefer it's prefer to be with your church body uh, when things are going on. Obviously at the assembly, but even at family game night. But other things go on from time to time, and that's that's okay. You you miss one here or there, uh, but my admonition was prefer to be with the church body. Um, then we go with the family structure. Um, Christ has a, fam- a structure to the family. And we'll read that in Ephesians 5, 20 through, to, through 25. It says, Hus- or doesn't say that. It says, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church and is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, let the wives also, or let the wives be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So we can see in this scripture that husbands are the head of the family. Wives submit to the husbands in this role. And if Christ is the head of the home, or sorry, if Christ, yeah, is head of the home, um, we see this is the model of what we want to see uh, in the, the family aspect. Uh, but then also, children need to obey their parents. Ephesians 6 and 1, children obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So we know that children in this whole family structure, children need to obey their parents. But going back to the husbands being the head of the home, husbands might think they're all high and mighty because uh, they're the head of the house. They, can, they say what goes. Um, but really, if Christ is the head of, of your home, you're not, the head of, you're not really the head of your home in a greater aspect. Because uh, in 1 Corinthians 11:3 it says, But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. So really, if Christ is the head of the home, Christ is the head of the home. Well, I guess that, Christ is the head of the home. Um, but then, then you have the man being the head, of the, head over the, the wife, and then children being a subjection to those parents. That's kind of the, the order of the family structure. So... If Christ is the head of your home, uh, you should have a Christ-centered relationship with him. And, um, and Christ would be the head of your home. And I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. Sorry. I didn't have that in my notes. I was off a little bit. Um, but anyways, keep going. When we go back to individual, I told you we were going to get there, individual, our individual selves, one of the things we need to do if we're going to follow God in our lives is that we have to humble ourselves and submit to his will. James 4, 6, and the first part of 7 says, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the, resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Um, <clears throat> submit yourselves, therefore, unto God. So we must submit ourselves to God and get his will. In submitting, we must also trust in his, in his word and in, uh, in him. So trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not on thy own understanding. A lot of times our own understanding gets in the way. Our own uh, desires get in the way. But we must trust uh, the Lord. We must trust his word and submit to his word. Uh, another thing in our individual lives, if we really want to make Christ ahead of our lives, we have to study his word. 2 Corinthians 2.15, it says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We want to know what he wants for us in our lives, what, what, how he wants us to act, how he wants us to um, shine his light 
So we, are, we have to know what his example is so we can shine that light in our lives. And when we're studying his word, if that's all we do, we miss the mark because they're studying the word, but we also need to apply that and be doers of his word. James 1, 19 and 22, it says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh, worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, <clears throat> which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. A lot of times when we study the word and we don't apply that, we deceive ourselves in thinking that we're doing something for the Lord. But when we're doing, when we're doing something for the Lord, that's, we're doing something for the Lord. When we're studying it, we're, we're studying it for our own knowledge. And we have to apply that and be doers of the word as well, is what Christ wants from us. So if Christ is the head of our, sorry, if Christ is the head of our congregation, of our house, of our lives, they will worship him at our, our church service, will worship him in spirit and in truth, with the heart of love for him, thank, thankfulness for him, and with the truth, what he wants us, how he wants us to worship. Um, we'll study his word, we'll follow his instructions, submit to his headship, and be doers, ultimately doers of his word as well in our individual lives. Um, this is what I had this evening. Um, if you want to make Christ the headship of your life in baptism tonight, we have that opportunity for you tonight, or if uh, you need prayers for strength, for encouragement, we have that opportunity for you tonight as well. If you would, come sit on the front pew as we stand and sing the song has been selected.